What is up, everybody? We are here at NAMM 2016, and if you can't hear any chaos, no ruckus, that is because Mike and I are in a hotel room. Don't take that the wrong way, but we just <laughs> needed a place quiet that we could do this. Mike Dawson, first podcast ever in person. We're hanging out. A little Pretty, weird. A little awkward. A little weird. A little awkward, I'm not going to lie. A little awkward. We probably should have had an in-studio audience to, to break it up a little bit. Yeah, a little strange. But... Good news is uh, we're still peppy. It's only been one day of Nam. So uh, and this is our quarter century mark. This is episode twenty five. Oh wow, it's pretty cool. Twenty five. When did we start? Do you remember the date? On episode one. <laughs> Dave Weckle was that our first. Was it? I think so. I don't remember. February issue. Yep. Poor Dave. Got thrown Dave. under the bus and we had no idea what we were doing. We had no yeah. idea. Well, this uh, one, guys, is going to have a different form to it. We're not going to do the same thing as always. Because NAM has just so much to talk about. So we're going to kind of virtually walk you through our experience at NAM and hopefully make you feel in the loop a little bit because that's the goal of this podcast. So let's get started with some standouts. Did you have a standout snare drum that kind of made you take notice? Like, wow, that's pretty cool. Now, by the way, guys, this can be, doesn't have to be the most expensive thing in the world. It could just be something new and inventive or just high quality. Oh, you have to go first because okay. I've, I've got about a half dozen. Oh, attaboy. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think the first thing for me was the hand engraved, uh, I think it's 14 by 6.5, Ron Donette. Uh, I believe it's a steel snare drum, but I got to talk to Ron quite a bit about the engraving. You were saying it was done by John Aldridge? Yeah, he's, he's kind of the guy for hand engraving, Ludwig and everybody else. And probably four or five different companies here. So Wow. It was really cool because he kind of, um, Ron walked me through the process of hand engraving. Honestly, when I've seen hand engraving or hand engraved snare drums, even though we use the term hand engraved, I just kind of always imagined it being a rolled or a, a piece of metal flattened out and some machine did it. And when he walked me through the hand step process of engraving a snare drum like this, it was just, it was unbelievable. And I asked him point blank. I said, okay, just, just street price. Tell me, if the snare drum was without the engraving, how much does the engraving add to the cost? And he said about 500 bucks right off the top. Oh, and, wow. Which I actually thought was affordable once I knew a human being just kept pressing a piece yeah. of metal into a shell. Did they tell you how long it takes? No, he, I didn't ask about that. I should have. Um, but I, I was just blown away by the detail on this thing. And so um, maybe I'll... Maybe we can text this picture to EJ, and, or you, you'll probably have some of yeah, your own. We'll exactly, get them up on yeah. the website. So that was the first snare drum I saw, and I really loved it. It had single-flanged hoops. It had the claws. If you guys have never played with suicide hoops or single-flanged hoops, they're really cool. And when I say claws, I mean like little mini bass drum claws are what's holding it on. There's no flange for the tension rod to go through. Now, as far do you own any single-flanged hoop drums? I do. I have a um, single three-ply from 50s or something okay. like that. It didn't originally come with single flange, but someone had put them on it, and it, it's cool. It kind of, that's a kind of a dead drum, okay. So it opened it up a little bit more. Right. I did have them on. Um, I have like a like a fake Black Beauty five by fourteen, and it came with those on it, and it was like it made the it just sprayed right like crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up replacing them with diecast tubes. And then, do you find that the claws get in your way at all, or do they lay in a spot away from kind of where you're you have to be conscious of it yeah yeah, yeah. There's, if you hit it it shocks your hand <laughs> it does it's like someone punched you in the wrist i have a what do i have i have a, a gretch <clears throat> gretch made a limited run of new classic but they used um so the new classic has those tube style lugs that gretch makes right and but they made it in the chrome over steel which is i'm assuming it was just a usa chrome over steel shell but it had the new classic badge and the new classic lugs they made about 50 of them i think and when I first signed with Gretsch, they had already stopped making it, so I bought one on eBay, and then I put single flange tubes on it. And you're right, it opens up the tone a ton. It, it became just too ringy, too mm-hmm. pingy. Um, but those those little claws, they get if you don't, you know, yeah. if you're if you're just playing a groove, it's kind of out of your way from where your stick naturally lies. But once you start blazing some some sauce, yeah, you're it, like getting shocked in the face. yeah yeah, it'll hit you. <laughs> so that was like the first snare. The uh, another one that I saw was. From I believe they're called Acoustin drums. Acoustin, like I said, Acoustin <laughs> drums. Oh yeah, there's no S there's in there. No there. They got to work on that logo. Cooper Acoustin. Okay, is that the kid that works there? Yeah, Cooper. He is the coolest cat ever, man. Yeah, he's like, badass. <laughs> dude, these are amazing drums. Yeah. So he had the middle was steel, and then he's got steam bent hoops on the top, or steam bent like the top half and the second half are right. steam bent. Um, and then he had uh, Ron actually did a titanium one for him. 
and the lugs look like they're totally original, like he's mm-hmm. making them. It, those were really cool drums. Have they been around for a while? It's probably over five years at this point. Wow. We reviewed them a few years back, and it was remarkable that you could hear, when you hit it light, uh-huh. you hear the wood. Okay. When you lay into it, you start to hear the metal. Wow. It's, and like you said, it's so meticulous. You look at them, it's like, that's just a beautiful So wait, piece. you're telling me that kid that's there, he's the one that makes them? Yeah, he's that's him. That's it. That's his company, one guy. Shut up. Yeah. Dude, I've, I've known him from Nam for like three years now. Yeah. I thought he was like the A&R. I thought no, he was like the no. rep. He is the guy. Oh my God. And he and Ron are actually really good friends. Yeah, I mean, so. I saw like, um, I don't know if all of them had Donette um, throws, but I saw that one did, and it had, and Ron did like the titanium um, middle part. So it's what, about... Would you say four inches of steel and then an inch of wood on the top and the bottom? It's probably more than that. If it's a six and a half inch drum, it's probably two. Yeah, you're right. It's probably like maybe three of the metal because it's the exact same size as the lugs. Yeah. But yeah, check out Akutin snare drums. Um, they and that's A C O U T I N Akutin custom snare drums. I was really bl- blown away by their quality. Um, yeah, I think the one they had on display was a Wenge. Yeah, that's it right there. Yeah. Wenge on top with stainless steel in the middle. Just gorgeous. Yeah, very cool stuff. And now I know that that talented little biscuit makes them. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, what do you got? Okay, so the one, you know, I hit a lot of drums today, um, and it's really hard to judge a drum in Nam when you've got 800 other people hitting drums. But I came in at 9 a.m. before the show was open. I kind of went around and checked out what I could. And of all the drums I played, there was some awesome stuff. There was one that, like, I hit it and was like, I even told the guy, I was like, that's the Mike Dawson signature drum right there. Really? And it was, again, I go back to my friend Saul here at Masters of Maple. It's a Type M snare with a solid copper core. I don't know how big it is, maybe three millimeter solid okay. copper core. I think Babinga on the inner and outside. I hit it and it was just like, that's what I want. It had like bright but still, you know, musical and, and warm and real expressive. You have to check it out. Today he had it on the side stairs, narrow of his uh, Babinga kit. Okay. On the left. So, so when you say core, you mean like it's actually like a couple plies of Babinga, then. A thick ass core of metal, <laughs> and then a couple more plies wow. of, of wood. Yeah. Is it a heavy drum? It's heavy. Wow. Yeah. And then what kind of hoops? What did he have on it? I think they were just triple flange. Triple flange? Yeah. Wow. He had that on the left, and he had his bell brass on the main kit. And the bell brass sounds like a shotgun. Really? I bet. Yeah. yeah. But that drum, when I hit it, was like, I don't know what, what that is, but that's that's exactly what I want to say. And it's a 14 by 6.5? I think it's a 5.5. 5.5? Yeah. That's my size, man. It's like, pretty precious. 14 by 5.5 is my favorite. And it's mainly just because I never really tune down and get a big fat snare sound. So I can mm. I, I like a little snappier snare sound. Um and I, I I think Vinny for a long time was playing a fourteen by five and a half when he was with Gretsch and it he was mm. able to get plenty of crack out of it. So Yeah, um, it's a good drum. And that one you got in the photo right there, that's another Danette that I actually reviewed. He sent This is walnut, right? It's it's, it's like an Australian It's an Australian walnut. walnut yeah, yeah. He said it was a little bit harder than our walnut. Yeah. And uh so it's brighter, it's not as dark. Right. Dude. And he, he literally, he was like, I can just send this to you to review. And I was like, dog, don't even tempt me. If I want that you get that drum, drum, you're going to have a lot of people angry because he sent that to Carter McLean, his his endorser, to do okay. videos. And I, I'm friends with Carter, so he, he texted me and said, I'm sending you some amazing drums. The five and a half is mine. Really? <laughs> so, so he sent it down and I checked it out. And that five and a half by 14 Australian walnut or whatever yeah. it is was just magic that's the one that like out of everything that i saw that was the one that i was like okay and i i said okay no no bro deal no nothing i'm gonna get this at my local store how much and i'm thinking i was thinking probably 15 to 1700 he was like 650 yeah i was like dollars us (laughs) i'll just buy it now you should buy it (laughs) i know someone should buy that i think i'm going to And, and he's like you know i'll set you up i'm like dude at 650 you don't have to set me up that's a great price like that's amazing. Yeah, so um, that was the one because he sent that and a six and a half um, Blackwood. Okay, they both were awesome, but it was like that was the one, and yeah. especially tuning it really low. It was just I couldn't believe it. So it must be so annoying to be listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> They're like, "Can you just play one of these for no. us?" Like, well, uh, we will be reviewing it in the magazine. Awesome. So we'll have all. We'll, we'll revisit it because yeah, I would. I. I 
I'm the same as you. I, I'm, I'm hearing these things at NAMM. People are playing. I'm trying to take pictures or whatever, you know, or talk to people. And so it's it's a little tough to really get a good beat on it. But I spent my most amount of time at any one company today that wasn't one of my endorsements. I never even made it to Gretsch. Um, but the, the most time I spent was at Dunnett's booth and just talking to Ron because once we started talking about the hand engraving and mm-hmm. and just, you know, he got on a roll too. He's like, oh, wait, wait, before you go, you have to check this out. I'm like, dude, I've got nowhere to go. If you're going <laughs> to inform me about anything you are the the you know you are one of the few people I will definitely listen to all day. Oh, yeah. So he just gets so enthusiastic about it. So yeah, that was a um, fourteen by five and a half Australian walnut uh, Donette snare drum, and it was it was just incredible because with it being walnut, I expected it to be um, a lot, I guess, darker and a little more dead. And so and that's when he said, and I, I know he doesn't call it Australian. It's I think it's. It's a like a it's a city in Australia that he called it mm. like that was the name. He was like the Sydney, right? You know? Yeah. Um, but anyways, and he's like, no, 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 it's it's way harder wood. You're gonna it's it's closer to birch than than it is to walnut. Right, so yeah. and I hit it and it was fantastic. So so before we go too much more on the gear stuff, just kind of sum up your day at Nam. What is your day like as the uh, managing editor of Modern Drummer? Yeah. I mean, does everybody want to introduce themselves to you to to like? be part like hey can you well, an article on me or we we have to kind of divide and conquer the show okay so there's four of us here we've got our advertising director our editorial director adam badovsky um our uh videographer and new business development which is miguel and then myself so bob has a lot of meetings with advertisers and stuff so he's either at the booth or has to go you know, meet with clients adam is essentially the booth guy okay he's the editorial director so if any artists want to be featured or whatever they he gotta, has to deal they with gotta it. go to him yeah so he's essentially locked in the booth um to do all that kind of stuff miguel was interviewing the drum department heads of all of the major companies throughout the weekend so he's, oh wow he's video we're gonna have videos up tonight of oh wow today awesome so then my goal my role is to roam the floor you know press the flesh shake hands set up reviews do all the social media content so i've started at 9 a.m and i've just been walking booth to booth until now <laughs> i don't know how many i did let's see one probably a, a dozen or so booths okay sometimes i try to be covert and just flip my badge around and get right. in and get out sometimes i have to like spend a half hour if yeah. it's like someone i have a history with or if it's just someone i want to spend time with yeah i was gonna say there's gotta be somewhere you're like oh man like yeah. the guys at Masters of Maple, I want to, I want to hang. Yeah, with exactly. Guys. Speaking of which, that's his, this is his first show, so he yeah, I was a, gonna say, I don't remember ever seeing him. That's so cool. Yeah, I hung out with him last night. And he reminded me that he was 19 years old the first time he came to our office and pitched a, a review on his company. No way. He was 19 years wow. old. Wow. And he didn't look 19. Right. And you were saying that he, uh, you were telling me earlier that he has a snare drum on display that was created because of this podcast. That is Joyful Noise. Oh, Joyful Noise. Joyful Sorry. Noise. That's right. That's yes. Right. Yes. So That's a pretty cool thing, that man. That's pretty rad. Yeah. So Kurt Waltrip said he was listening. By the way, your, uh, your editorial or your, yeah, your director guy, <laughs> he's rubbing his butt on the window right now. That's Miguel. Sweetheart. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> hey, buddy. What's up, man? All right. So Joyful Noise. Yeah, so Kurt Waltrip, the owner of Joyful Noise, uh, he listened to our show when we were talking about the difference of plating on snare drums. Right. Black nickel, nickel, whatever we talked about, silver. Because we referenced he wrote that piece. Yeah, that's right. He's the guy with the degree in astrophysics or exactly, something, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Molecular snare drum engineering or something. <laughs> so he heard the show, and I was basically, as like an idiot, I said, there's really no one who's doing nickel over brass snares like they used to, and there'd be a good market for it. Yeah. Well, Joyful Noise started their company doing that, and he kind of you know, went away from it and focused more on the heavier bronze and brass stuff. So he called me up and says, Michael, you inspired me. I'm going to refocus. I'm going to do an, another bright nickel with a thinner. So what they're doing is a thinner brass. Okay. So it's a 1920s style shell. Wow. And it's here, and it's gorgeous. So he has that in the middle, and it's a thinner brass, so it's a little bit more open sounding, just a little bit more old. It's hard to describe. You have to, you right. have to hear it. Unfortunately, we can't really demo it. But so we had that next to his thicker brass, which is kind of the 1970s style brass. 
Wow. But yeah, so he brought that, he made that drum because he listened to us. That's so cool, man. Riff about Nicola. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, for, for Mike and I, this is our first time realizing that our podcast has had any sort of impact, but we're roaming around Nam, and, you know, the, the professional drummers that we've mentioned on here and some of the companies are coming up and saying thanks so much for the review and talking about us on the podcast, and it's been really cool. So um, it's, it's kind of nice because we're not, Mike and I are not the kind of guys that, check our stats so we don't know if anyone listens to i don't even crap. know what our stats are i don't know if we have stats <laughs> <laughs> but it is cool to know that it's, it's got some impact and it's got the kind of impact that uh there could be a snare drum at nam because of it now you mentioned earlier to get back to things that you've seen at the show you mentioned a little about something under 200 dollars. oh yes <laughs> yes i was in the d drum booth you know they were showing me all their you know their new high-end stuff their new mid-price stuff you know, new finishes stuff all looks great we get finally to end you know wrap up the the tour and i'm like what's up with this snare drum it's got a trigger on it so they're offering a um gosh i think it's a six by 13 where the heck is the picture by the way everyone should check out the modern drummer instagram feed for photos of everything that we're talking about right now so i agree I'll find it. And don't check my Instagram feed because I haven't put up a single picture of anything. <laughs> Please check it. Except for Miguel rubbing his ass on the window. <laughs> Where did it go? D-drum, D-drum, D-drum. So it's a 6x13 birch snare with a D-drum trigger already installed and an XLR output. So you literally... So the XLR output is for the trigger? Uh, or for a it's mic. for well the D drum triggers are XLR output. Oh, they are okay. Yeah. So you just go from that XLR into your, your whatever module, whatever. Yeah, your module, yeah, and then you're set. So yeah, so you don't have to you know so you don't have to have a separate electronic setup. Um, and is the trigger inside the drum or is it on the drum? It's a, it's the D drum trigger which has like a red lip that like oh yeah yeah it's the classic the D drum trigger yeah. yeah yeah. But the wiring is inside the drum, so it comes out that XLR. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I was telling him, like, I'm, what I do with most of my bands is I have a second snare that has a trigger on it. So whenever we do electronic stuff, I'd, I'm essentially just firing hand claps or whatever right. from that drum. So he's like, well, you should check this one out. And by the way, it's only $179. That's crazy. I don't know what a D-drum trigger costs. It's got to be 100 bucks. Right, right. So you're basically getting a snare drum that sounds good with a, a Remo USA CS Black Dot coated batter head, so right. a quality head. Yeah with the electronics so I don't I wouldn't need to take my I mean you still need a trigger module or something to play the sounds but that's know. awesome man that's cool very cool 79 bucks it's nice. black flat black with red lugs which not everyone's going to love it but I think I might buy one <laughs> nice <laughs> so we'll see well I'm buying I'll buy the Danette snare and you buy that <laughs> right I think those are that's an even even trade so give me the one can you pick one artist this week that you've already seen or, or just person in the drum industry in general where you're like, man, it's just really good to see that guy. I wish we lived closer. I wish I saw that person more. Or girl. Hmm. It's funny because I saw Zach Danziger and he lives 20 miles from me, but <laughs> it's nice to see him. And I haven't seen him since, gosh, probably last last NAM. You know, I haven't really seen a lot of artists because really? I'm, I'm going to booth to booth and, yeah. and dealing with, you know, company owners. But, um... No, I mean, that's, no, I don't like right. any of you guys. That's cool. That's, that's cool. It's you know, we have a big meeting every year, and we just talk about how do we approach the modern drummer booth. It's like the, the National Professional Drummers Association. And it's like, well, Mike's not very nice, so yeah. let's go straight to Adam. It's only Thursday. All the yeah. artists come in on Saturday, yeah. so that'll be when everyone shows up. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen you in forever. There's a few guys I know coming that I haven't seen. It'll be nice. Troy Ziegler, who I love him. Awesome. He's out here, so hopefully he's, he stops by. There's a there's a cat from Paris that is I would say he's in my top five favorite drummers in the world, and I never I've only seen him once in person. I met him at the Le Bag show in Paris uh, that I did like two years ago. He wasn't on the sh on the festival, but he he came out and uh, I don't know if you know him. His name's Nicholas Vaccaro. Sounds jazz very guy. Very familiar. He's a jazz guy, but a f more of a fu fusion jazz. But he is. He, I would say him and Mark Juliana, they're stylistically everything that I just wish I was as a drummer. And, and Nicholas is like one of the sweetest human beings you could ever meet. And I had no, what, what made it such a great thing was 
knowing that he's from Paris, I really just didn't think he'd be at the NAMM show. And so I've only seen him once in my life. And to see him and, you know, he thinks that it's like, he's like, oh, man, it's so great to see you. And, and in my mind, I'm like, dude, you're like my favorite drummer. Like, you know, yeah. it, it's a... It's a weird thing, but uh, it was great to see him. I got to meet him and his girlfriend and just talk to him. And that was like one of those unexpected meetings where all of a sudden Nam just kind of falls away. All the people that are waiting to talk or whatever, they just kind of fade into the background. And you're just having like a seriously meaning, meaningful conversation with somebody you really look up to. And it's like, man, I just wish I wish we lived closer because mm-hmm. I would love to do a camp with you. You know, the reason I love working with guys like Matt Halpern or JP or Mark or Sput is because they're so different than me drumming wise. What I don't want to do is work with somebody that's very similar to me because then it's like, well, what's the point? You yeah. know, like I never, I never wanted to go to that um, Thomas Lang, Marco Miniman, Johnny Rab clinic tour. It's like, well, that's <laughs> I, that's a lot of drumming. Yeah, you know, all the same thing. Yeah, you know, um, or or at least it's it's the same thing for my brain. It's all stuff that I can't play. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, a guy, a guy like Nicholas would be very in line with Mark as far as um, we could do some really cool things together, and I hope we will in the future. But um, I'll definitely try to um, – maybe he can be one of the guys we feature in upcoming podcasts so I can turn you on to him. Yeah, I've never even heard of him. He's incredible. He is, I would say, as far as – you know, okay, so we, we are influenced by the drums themselves. Like, oh, I love this Joyful Noise snare. I wish I could play it. Um, you know, I love this Danette snare. So we're influenced by the drums, but as far as an artist – he is the biggest reason I am a Gretsch artist because when I was considering Gretsch, he was the one that was playing all their demos. It's the same thing with, uh, Yost nickel and Meinl. Yost was doing all the Meinl things. And I was like, I am in love with that guy's drumming and he's making the cymbals sound the way I wish I could sound. And Nicholas did a lot of he did. So Gretsch has a whole separate entity over in Europe and he is the main Gretsch artist over there. Um, so anything you see that's coming out of Gretsch Europe, usually he's the one doing it. Yeah. And, um, and he's done stuff with, um, Zach and stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, anyways, I watched all of his videos when I was thinking about moving to Gretsch and I just completely was like, okay, this is the cat man. So I'll, I'll send you yeah, some of his wow. videos. He's yeah, incredible. Really. So I got to see him and then, uh, everybody else was, you know, amazing as well. Cause I got to see Dom Famularo who I like, I don't, oh, even, yeah. I don't even know him, but uh, I was talking to, do you know Joe Hibbs over at Mapex? Yeah, of course. I was talking to Joe. Joe is like the coolest guy, man. He just, he's like, he's like, come back here. I want you to tell me what's going on in your life. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not signing with Mapex. That's what's going on in my life. And so, so we're sitting there and we're talking and we're having like a really deep conversation. And it was really cool. Really with cool. With Dom? No, with Joe? with Joe. And then Dom came up and like I said, I mean, I think Dom and I both know, uh, like we know how it's viewed as far as, far as like he... He he's a big part of the reason why I can even do what I do. Right. He blazed a trail for mm-hmm. making an making education something where it's like, no no no, I chose to do this as my job. Like mm-hmm. I'm choosing this. And I'm doing it in whatever way that I can, and there's definitely no friction. He couldn't be sweeter to me. But we are in two different timelines of doing it. Yeah. And so it's it's always it's I don't know how to say it. it's not awkward, it's just kind of like Oh, there's not much for us to talk about. So we just kind of stood there staring at each other. But he couldn't have been sweeter. Um, and, God, dude, when he talks, he just lights up. The dude is just walking charisma. Yeah, so, he is. You know, it's, it's undeniable. So it was cool. I got, I got a chance to spend time with him and, and Joe, and that was cool. So, All right, what about symbols? Did you run into any cool symbols? I did. I'm looking at one right now. The new Peisty 2002 Big Beat series, Ooh. which is... It seems like it's a combination of the 2002 alloy with the 20 series uh, process. Like process. Okay. So they sounded like, like for me, the 2002s. Like I, when I hear the new ones, I feel like someone needs to hit them for like 10 years before they right. get to a point totally. where I can actually use them. I was a Peisty guy for a long time, so I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and yep. these kind of have that like they like if when someone says John Bonham used 2002 series, this is what I what I think they sound right. like, not the stuff that you would go buy brand new. Brand new, yeah. So I don't know what it can is. I see it? They might be thinner. I'm not quite sure exactly what the specs. Oh are. wow, yeah, those definitely don't look like 2002s. And they're only doing big stuff: 18, 20, 22, 24, 16 inch hi hats, 15 and 16 inch hi hat, no 14s. Nice. And they were they were super buttery, musical, just enough brightness. Nice. And none of that like high din that I think you just need to that just needs to be worked out of any brand new symbol. Yeah. So. And did you get to hear them before Nam started? Yeah. Okay. So you really heard them. Yeah, they sound cool. They sound amazing. Very cool. They sound like a like I like the giant beats, but they're kind of missing the darkness. Yeah. 
They, yeah. So they're kind of mixing that like thin, expressive, giant beat with the the power of the 2002. I still have my giant beats um, from my days at Peisty, and those are like that's like one set of symbols that I'm unwilling to part with. They're I, so nice. They are pretty cool. I have a couple dark energies that I still love. Um, a couple signature series, and then I have the giant beats. My standout symbol to me, and maybe it was only—I hate to say that it's a minor because I'd rather recommend something that I'm not endorsed by. And it could have been the fact that Minel's booth is upstairs, so I could actually hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, where I, I went to all the boutique companies, and it was just like it was pointless. I yeah. couldn't tell the difference between their cheapest symbol and most expensive. But I do know this for fact because I, as a minor artist, I um, I do have most of their symbols. The new. Uh, it's a 24-inch Big Apple Dark Ride. Mm. It was the most buttery ride. I mean, as soon you hit it with, you could hit it with a 5B, and you sounded like you were Tony Williams. I it remember was, the original Big Apple being really nice. It, this is so. I mean, you can totally crash on the side of it. It is the most buttery symbol I've ever played. 24-inch Big Apple Dark Ride, um, and even Norbert, who gets excited about nothing, was like. Smiling, he's like, it's pretty good. Huh? I was like, yeah, it's pretty freaking good, bro. He's like, yes, we we knocked it out of the bark. Um, yeah, he was proud of it. It was it was really cool. And then they also, you know, their um, dual series. Mm-hmm. They came out with a splash, and it is so original. I haven't heard anything in a splash size sound this original since. Sabian put out their Splash Chinas back I in the 90s. I love those things. Those were the bomb, dude. That was the bomb. You remember those? Yeah, I had two of them. Yeah, so I did I. The, the ten and the, no, I had yeah. eight and the ten. Yeah, so did I. And I, I, I stacked them. them on top of yeah. my other crashes. I nicknamed them Ping and Pong. <laughs> um, yeah. Chad Smith used them. Dude, those were awesome. So this, this because I mean, obviously, symbols get weirder and weirder. And it's like, oh, we drilled holes in it. We did yeah. this. This thing was so, there's no holes in it, there's no nothing. I was like, oh, it's a splash. And I hit it, and I, I instantly thought, I haven't heard a splash that original since the, the Sabian China splash. So it was such a cool, it? I have no idea. Um, I was in the process of like, you know, uh, it was myself and Luke Holland were going through stuff. And if you put me and Luke at the Minel booth, it's, then you're not getting anything done, mm. you know. All we needed was Matt Halpern there to just, and then it's just, and then it turns into a clinic. So uh, Luke and I were having some pretty deep conversations about career and life and stuff, and um, and that's maybe a good um, future episode of the podcast. Is you know what do you do when you get to ten million followers? Mm. How do you turn that into a lucrative living without ripping anybody off? You know, Luke's a good guy. He doesn't. He's not trying to take advantage of anybody. But it's like, okay, well, what do I do with this following? You know, yeah. he's in a great band, but he's also a very, very smart, smart kid. He's only 22, and I think he knows like bands come and go. You know, you are, and I was telling him, I said, bands come and go, but you are a legitimate professional drummer now. You're not, you're not like some YouTube thing anymore. Mm-hmm. You're, you're really good. So you're going to play drums for the rest of your life, and you need that to be, you know. Um, something that provides for your life. And right now you have this massive social media following, but how do you, I've watched people where they realize like, I can't do anything with this because I can't, there's nothing that anybody would pay for, you know, like let's say it's drum covers, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, well I'll, 10 million people will watch it and four people would pay for it. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, clinic of, of drum covers. And yeah, that. no, exactly. I mean, that's, and so, and Luke has the talent to, surpass that he won't be stuck in that um in that hole by any means but we were talking about that and so yeah i was kind of like talking about that i hit a splash i was like what the hell and then we start talking again (laughs) so um definitely we'll we'll, i hopefully mine will send you those and to get a review too but yeah the 24 inch um dark apple ride was incredible the other symbols i really really liked was uh the new zildjian they did the same treatment with the a series that they did with the k series Okay. So, like, the K's became the Coropes. Yep. They did the same thing with the A's. So now they've got the the Avidus or Avidus, how do you say it? So they took their A's from, I believe, from the 50s, like, took those those prototypes, the original, and then just recreated them. Wait, so Zildjian has all their original stuff still? Yeah, they've got a vault of of everything. All the original pieces. Oh, wait, you're telling me these, so... So it's a it's a thinner A that they they treat it so it looks like it's aged. It has like the darker finish. Yeah, and they're really nice. So what I what I don't like about the Coropes is that they're sometimes so gnarly that they just don't they don't work in everything. Okay. 
these are just smooth and warm and like perfect for anything. Really? So those are not, those are, okay, so in the lines you've got A's, A's. A custom. Yeah. Which is the shiny ones. The shiny the Car- A's. Carter yeah. Bofords. Yeah. Um, K custom. We've got K. K. K custom. K custom Rogue. hybrid. Constantinople. <laughs> uh, wait, so Constantinople is a line in Zildjian? It is. By the way, guys, please forgive my uh, <laughs> ignorance here. I'm, I've played for I played for Peisty for 14 years, and I've played for Minel for about seven. So we can have conversations about that all day. But I, shockingly enough, don't know very much about Zildjian. So. Yeah, so they have their... Yeah, I don't even know really what's the difference, except for the A's are brighter, the K's are darker. Okay. So you've got the regular K's. And you don't know if they're different alloys? I don't think so. There's probably some slight difference, okay. but it's not like one's B8 and one's Trace B8. amounts of silver? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something like that. So the K has all these variations. You've got the regular Ks, you've got the K Customs, which is where they put stuff that doesn't fit like any kind of mold. That's okay. where the hybrids are and okay. that kind of stuff. They've got the Constantinobles, which is their, before the Coropes, that was like their old K. Okay. But the Coropes are like, they're really trying to make the original old K. Too many lines. So you've got that, but in the A, there was just the A and the A custom. Right. So now they're taking the original A, kind of vintageizing it. Okay. And now it's this new Avidus series. Okay. They're beautiful. They actually kind of look like giant beads. They're yeah. Of, no, I was gonna say they have green. that same, uh, especially the on one of those. The bell has that little bit of. It's not patina, but it's like they left the welding marks or like yeah, you know it's yeah. got that like purple tinge to it. Yeah, they processed it, and I don't I, I don't know if it's public knowledge but just like Zach Danziger it is now just like Zach helped develop the Crope series he helped develop these as well that dude's got his hands and everything yeah that's awesome he told me probably not to repeat it but you know he helped design them (laughs) (laughs) sorry Zach like the only place I'm ever going to talk about this is on a public (laughs) podcast but the thing with with Zach is the dude knows tone more than I trust his ear totally as as much there's there's guys like that that really actually know their stuff I, I you know when I was done creating the transition ride with Minel, people asked me like the, what was the process like and I, I said well it was cool man like you know I'd say I wish it was a little darker or you know let's try it in a 21 and we went back and forth maybe five or six prototypes and then I heard about and then I, I was on a long trip with Norbert across Germany and I was like so what was the process like making the the sand hats with Benny and he it was like 200 back and forth <laughs> And every time they made any slight adjustment, it had to be recorded with a quality mic and the audio files in Wave, not MP3, had to be sent immediately to Benny. Oh, and he would, and then he would tell them like, it's got, you know, there's just way too much 475 hertz in there. You you have to bring out the mid. Like he hears that stuff. And I remember, I remember like going back to the transition ride creation, being like, can you make the bell like pingier? <laughs> I was like, oh my god, what an idiot. Like, but there, I mean, there's guys like Zach and Benny that really hear it on that level and, and know how to adjust it, you know. And I think it's great that they're involved in the production of, of what their companies do. It's just not my makeup to be that demanding. Yeah. I just can't do it. Well, I think there's both, you know, I think it's also different, though, for somebody like Benny, when, when you're dealing with, hey, this is my signature product, then I, I mean, mm-hmm. I think one thing that I do love about about Minel is their signature products are played by their artists Mm -hmm. and I cannot stand I don't want to call any companies out but I can't stand the signature products that are not played by the artists where it's like if if I'm going to play the you know Adrian Young snare drum I want it to sound like no doubt as soon as I take it out of the box right and you know and with Benny it was like I remember thinking like wow you have crashes and a ride and hi hats. Like, that's a commitment. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember even feeling the weight of having my own signature stick. I'm like, I'm going to want a 5B in a couple yeah, of days yeah. from now. I don't want a signature stick. So, yeah, it's, um, but it, it is cool to know that there's people out there that really do hear that stuff. I'm the same as you. I mean, I, I never, when I get to a clinic, you know, I just say, whatever you guys have, I'll make it work. I was even know? thinking about your ride some of the other day because uh, the bell is very distinct on that on your ride. Yeah. And I was thinking, are you going to get tired of that eventually? Then what happens? Yeah, no, I trust me. <laughs> every day that I sit down and play my kit and I love my ride, I'm like, yeah, it's a good day. <laughs> the worst day is going to be when I'm like, God, this thing is just too washy <laughs> or you know, it's taking up too much room or you know, I, I or what if I don't like the look anymore because yeah. I – I mean, I'm notoriously a flip-flopper on gear, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's never like that I say, oh, something sucks. It's more that I just move on to the next thing. I'm like, oh, 
20 inch bass drums yeah you know so and i know that about myself so yeah i'm i'm very worried about the day <laughs> and i'm like hey norver can we just call it the transition ride and then i have my own gonna do another yeah. one and i actually even A contacted yeah, Nobel. <laughs> vader you know my my stick is called the 2451 because that's our bathroom code at the mike's lessons facility and when we had a homeless guy living in the bathroom, we had to change the bathroom code. And I mean, I'm sorry, but Folsom's an awesome place to be homeless. We're right on the river. There's it berries. Is. It is. There's berries all the time. There's fish. We like low of 62 this week. It's kind of like a perfect Huckleberry it, Finn. It's a great place to be homeless. And then if you have a pub, public restroom that has a code, and you can get in and just sleep there for the night. So we had to change the code. Who I, gave him the code? Huh? Who gave him the code? Oh, I don't know how. I swear, this is the coolest <laughs> thing. I don't know how they did it. It's some Mission Impossible stuff. But, okay, we have a wood paneling wall on the outside of the bathroom. And during the day, you see nothing on that wall. And then at night, when the fluorescent lights come on, you it, in giant letters it says "Code Two Four Five One." So I don't know what type of black <laughs> magic Captain Crunch decodering bull stuff was going on, but these cats, these homeless cats, like got together and they're like, "Okay, if you use lemon juice or I don't know what the I hell, I don't happened. even want to know what it is." Exactly. Yeah, I know. Well, no one's got that good of aim. They would have stopped at like code, it's like earwax or something. Yeah. But anyway, so um, so we had to change the code, and I thought, well you know what, if Dave Weckl could do his purple sticks and then do the evolution sticks, you know, uh, I could, maybe I could get another stick out of this by changing the code. And then Vader said, no, <laughs> they're like, sorry, it's a skew thing. It'd be too much work for us. I'm like, all right. I was just thinking maybe we could do something a little more five B ish. But, <laughs> but anyways, it's good to know that Zach had his hand in, in creation of some new symbols. So yeah. Yeah. They're cool great. I'm, I'm really ex- excited to check them out. Cause that's the sound. Um, I've actually, been hesitant to even tell anybody about it because for the past year I've been gobbling up used A's, okay. like old A's, because they're so much cheaper than K's. Right. And the sound, like a K is a jazz symbol. Right. I mean, there's no there's no way around it. It right. sounds like jazz. But the old A's sound like, they sound like Philly Joe Jones, but they also sound like uh, Keith Moon. Right. Because they were all using the same stuff. Right. So yeah, if yeah. I'm playing a lot of like more classic rock stuff, old A's are just perfect. That's awesome. So I've been gobbling them up. You can find crashes for like 150 bucks. Really? From like wow. the 60s era. So. Yeah, yeah. And then do you, since you're, you know, obviously because of your job, you don't have endorsements, do you kind of, on a personal level, associate yourself as like, I'm kind of a Zildjian guy, or are you more of a saving guy, or do you just literally play cymbals? I mean, I know that on as far as a biased review, you have to be completely yeah. open to everything. I guess it's like a sportcaster having to stop being a fan. Yeah, I mean, if to, t- to take, completely take the modern drummer uh, politically correctness off, there's some brands that I just just don't work for me. Right. I don't have to name them, but there's just every time I play, I'm like, yeah, they sound exactly like that brand. It just doesn't fit in my sure. my ear. Doesn't hear this. Zildjian in general works for me. Cool. Yeah. I like the A's for rock and roll. I like the K's for more indie rock or things like that so but you know i also like a lot of other i have Istanbul's that i inherited from various people or purchased or phosphorus or so it's kind of just like symbols yeah like uh, i went on the road with those 16 soul tone hi-hats that oh that's I, right yeah yeah they're super patinaed again it's kind of they're all vintage sounding yeah. and a uh, Istanbul mel lewis ride oh wow that was it that was my setup wow just hi-hats and then a thin ride so it's kind of it's gig dependent i do like um i've always played zildjian so there's right. just kind of that disconnected and i like the fact that it's american right so you know that's just my own little things but in general a good symbol is a good symbol i don't yeah. i don't have any loyalty to where i won't mix and match or yeah like that. now i have a couple jazz buddies that actually couldn't handle playing one company anymore and they actually dropped their endorsement because of it where they're like I, I just can't do it like really? I, yeah I wanna what was the Italian symbol maker Spitzicino Spitzicino yeah is he still alive no he died that's right back. okay yeah. um, but I remember one of my buddies was like man I, I, I don't wanna play one company I wanna play a Spitzicino ride I wanna play my old UFIP hi-hats that mm-hmm. I have I just wanna play freaking symbols man yeah. and it's like dude I, I, I get you you know like um you know, luckily, I happen to play for the company that I do believe this wholeheartedly makes probably the biggest variety of symbols that fit my ear. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying over the other companies, but mine will, it'd be really hard to find something that you like and not be able to find it in the minor lineup. Um, 
you know, and Meinl is really good about listening to their artists. So if I said, hey, this Zildjian 22-inch whatever is the jam, they would happily be like, well, let's see if we can find something, you know, let's see if we can create something close to it. Mm-hmm. Not in a, in a way to, you know, by any means rip off Zildjian, but more as a way to appease an artist. Because that's how most of their biggest selling stuff is not signature products, but they were definitely created by the artist. The artist said... I need a 22-inch crash. You know, Meinl never made big crashes until only... It was actually Ben Caesar that caused all that to happen. Oh, really? Yeah, they never had 19s or 20s or anything. And Ben was playing all of their jazz series rides as his crashes on all of his country and Nashville stuff. And then they just said, why don't we just make 20-inch crashes? You know, and now Meinl is like... You know, that's what they do is giant crashes. You know, and they sound great. That's why I like the the new Peisty... 2002 big beats because they're, they're not crashes they're not rides they're, they're just symbols. 18, 20, 22, 24 yeah. do whatever you want to do that's what it. the dual series is they don't say anything on them they just say like 18 yeah yeah. whatever hit it hit it and be artistic with it yeah so what are you looking forward to tomorrow? anything? oh man looking will you get there to... early again? I do because the 9 to 10 hour is good time for you to actually hear gear yeah um, and and spend a little bit of time with people who, because you just can't have like a, it's, it gets so loud. It's hard to describe if you haven't been here. But there's some drums I want to actually go check out and really play. Um, and cymbals too, especially. Like, I, you can't, I want to check out Istanbul, you got stuff, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, it, the, probably the best bet, if you've never been to NAM, the first thing you want to do is go straight to the Coffin Case Girls, uh, hang out there for a little <laughs> while. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you've never been to Nam, there's a really distracting booth right as you get near Modern Drummer's booth called Coffin Case. <laughs> and they just they just hire people to wear nothing. Yeah. Um, so what do they uh, sell? I have no idea. <laughs> coffin Apparently, cases. they sell bikinis. I don't um, know why you need a case for your coffin, but I, <laughs> I guess they sell it. Oh goodness gracious! I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna spend tomorrow. I want to get out of the drum area. Um, you know, in the last year, I've become an Audio Technica artist, and I've I don't know much about everything other than their drum mic. So I'm looking forward to going over to their booth. Uh, definitely want to check out. I broke my custom molded in ears yesterday. I've had the same pair oh, wow. for five years, and it finally, it just finally gave out. And so mm. I want to go over to Ultimate Ears, see what they have going on, um, and well, then yeah, the, go uh, ahead. the guys, uh, you know, the Direct Sound headphones, Extreme Isolation yeah. headphones. Yeah, I think they have a wireless model. That oh, I really? want to go check out. Oh, cool! Wireless headphones. Wireless headphones. They're total isolation. Yeah, that's awesome. I need to go check them out because I, I, it's funny because my my studio is set up pretty tight, so like to get out of the kit, I have to kind of like squeeze around some furniture. Yeah, and almost daily, I'm tripping over my headphone cord, like almost killing myself. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> there's nothing worse than walking away from your kit with your custom molded in ears in oh, and it, then yank <laughs> oh god and you just go like and, you just, and like you let out this weird actually I think I just did it you let out this weird sound it's horrible yeah and I also want to go over to the Yamaha booth tomorrow and just kind of see what is going on because I want to know where they're headed as a company as far as what's going on with their electronic drum division are they going to go down in price and try to kind of sell tons and tons and tons of cheap electronic drum sets which they could very well do or are they going to try and compete with with roland you know roland kind of has the professional electronic drum set thing on lockdown but yamaha has always been a very good competitor for them and the last year i just don't know where they're headed so i want to check that stuff out check out the roland booth check out infuse go say hi to bob terry um roland has an electronic cajon Really? Yeah, I didn't get a chance to play it, but I want to before the week. I don't know if it if it's just the trigger sensors or if it's some sort of processing. I don't know. Huh. It's got buttons. It's a cone with buttons. Udo will probably go over there and put his foot through it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, I'll check that out, and then I definitely want to check out uh, Masters of Maple and Joyful Noise. So is there any drum stuff that you didn't get to today? Um, a lot of the bigger companies, because I try to get, I try to work my way from the far side of Hall D, the drum room, yep. and then go all the way back up towards the arena. So, the modern drummer is. so the back side of the room is the smaller companies. Yep. So I got to you know hang out with the guys at Chicago Drum. And nice. Actually, I met. Uh, this is a pretty cool one. Ergo Sonic. Okay. Percussion. Remember North Drums? We yeah, talked of about them. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're sort of doing a, a new version of this. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that laughter is totally positive. <laughs> so they're conical, not conical. Wow. What do you call that? They're like angular drums. Yeah. 
Okay, so it's not a tube. It's like two it's cut two pieces. two shells that are yeah. cut. And it's pretty cool. He I was, bet it sounds good. It's neat. I mean, he was telling right. me the story was he actually started making marching bass drums because he wanted the... Okay. He was a retired band director, I believe. Okay. And he didn't like the fact that his bass drummers and his marching band had to learn a whole different technique right. to play those drums. They had to march sideways. All this stuff, it just doesn't make any sense. Right. So he designed this drum, which basically turns the bass drum on its side, and then the bottom half of the shell is angled out, so it aims at the audience. Right. So you play the marching drum like a snare drum. Wow. But it's it's a big marching drum. So he just decided to make a drum set with the toms. I haven't, they don't know what, it looked like elbow joints. Right, yeah, yeah. Did it's, you get to play? Are they, wait, are they, is it just wood? Are they they're glued wood drums. together? Yeah, I guess so. Wow. They're wood drums. They sounded cool. What's the company called? Ergosonic, E-R-G-O-S-O-N-I-C. So like ergonomic, but ergosonic. Very right. cool. So I, I do have one question. One of my favorite uh, companies from every NAM show, and I didn't get to go to their booth today. I was just a little too slammed, but uh, is AJP Custom Drums. Have you ever seen their stuff before? Yeah, I see them every year. God, they're beautiful. Yeah, they're so designs. beautiful. Yeah, I mean, just beautiful drums. If you guys have never seen AJP, it's, you know... I think they're probably at the top of the class when it comes to just straight up beautiful custom made drum sets. They are just unreal. I mean, they sound great. I, I honestly don't know the story. I don't know if they're Keller shells. I don't know if they're in-house shells, but I can't wait to go there <clears throat> this this year because every year they, they just have the most beautiful stuff. So. There's another one to check out. I'm trying to scroll through and find it. Um, this is their first show. Uh, where did they go? I think they're called Love, actually. Love Drums? They're called Love Custom Drums. They made a Goonies kit. Oh, that's like hand-burned etching of like sloth and a Chester Copper Pot in the map. Dude, <laughs> everything I can to resist the rocky road right now. Wow. Yeah, you know pretty what? I wild. think they were here last year. Were they? Yeah, I think so. Jeez. But that's, that's like a, the crazy stuff. But that's, the stuff he's making that's for real mm-hmm. is... It's really, really I see a Duco kit in the back there. Um, Yeah, he's got, um, like he's on ebony snares, really beautiful stuff. Doing some metal wood hybrids. And he's purposely keeping the price, like, working drummer affordable. Really? So, like, like six, seven, eight hundred bucks for a really awesome handmade snare drum. By the way, did you get a chance to go to Gretsch? Yeah, briefly. Oh, you did? Did, did you see this? The twenty six. Is that yes? I did. Is that the new no? Is that the new Brooklyn? So, uh, no, it's a broadcaster, but uh, in like a red cherry. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> you want to hear something funny? Sure. Actually, I can't even tell you about it. <laughs> so, you want to hear something funny when we turn this podcast off? <laughs> oh, the, good times! I was looking for your kit. Is that what has something to do? Yeah, with we'll this? talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, so for all of you guys, uh, Nam 2016. It's day one. It's been uh, it's been Nam. It's 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 absolute chaos. By the way, if you ever are planning on coming to Nam and you get a badge from somebody somehow, do not make plans. Whatever plans you make, they will not work out. Just come and let the wave of Nam take you where it takes you. Enjoy it. Uh, I've always told all of my friends that are getting ready to go to Nam for the first time. I tell them. When they ask me what it's like, I say, it's like grabbing an issue of Modern Drummer magazine, shaking it upside down, and everyone falls out and lands on the ground and starts walking around. That's what <laughs> NAM is like. It's, I mean, just everywhere you look, you're like, I'm pretty sure that's Dennis Chambers. And then you turn again, and you're like, that's Steve Smith, and he just hit a ride cymbal, and I got to see his hand technique. And I just, I think that watching other drummers is one of my favorite things. The other thing that I love to do at NAM, and I've loved this since the first time I came, was I love going to concerts you know, in the evening and watching professional drummers watch other professional drummers. So if I see Mark Juliana play, or if I see, I remember seeing, who was it? I think I was watching Chris Dave play the Sabian party a few years back. And I never watched Chris once. I just watched the other drummers in the crowd that Mm -hmm. I look up to watching Chris, you know, or, um, I think I saw, I think I actually saw Jojo, um, I think he played with Nerve at one of the Sabian parties, like maybe four or five years ago. Yeah. And I remember Benny was in the crowd and uh, some other cats, and I was just watching them watch JoJo. Because JoJo would play licks and chops, and the whole crowd would freak out, 
but the professional drummers in the crowd wouldn't freak out at all. It didn't phase him at all. And then he'd play some really cool phrasing, and no one in the crowd cared, but three or four professional drummers would push into each other like, oh! And I was like, and it, it taught me a lot about what to listen to and what really mattered uh-huh. about music. So um, it, it's a great place, and, and you'd be really shocked at how incredibly humble and nice some of your favorite drummers are. When you get to meet them in person, um, it's pretty rare that they don't take the time out of their day to talk to you and, and give you a little bit of time. It's, it's a really cool thing. It is it is very overwhelming. It's a lot on the sensors to take in. So anything else you want to mention before we wrap this episode up, buddy? No, it's almost impossible to try to summarize that yeah. in 45 minutes or so. I mean, I didn't talk about Tama. They've got new Iron Cobras that are just awesome. I mean, there's so much stuff happening. Ludwig has a, a new uh, Questlove kit that's like, how much is it? 250 because it wasn't affordable enough yeah. originally at four fifty. Yeah. So there's all kind. Of, I mean, it's we would have to next week. We we'll have to do another. Yeah, I think next week we can definitely do a wrap up, and I'll have a better idea. I mean, I got in kind of late. Uh, had a little bout of food poisoning yesterday, and then made a. Then I got up at four a.m. to drive here, and got in, and it was pure chaos. And by then, I was I was trying to hit things, um, and there's just so much to see. It's really hard, especially now that they've split some of the drum companies into different levels. Uh, like I said, I never even made my way to Gretsch, so I'll go there tomorrow. But we'll give you guys a, a, another review um, in a more concise fashion next week. But thank you guys so much for everything you've been doing as far as rating the podcast, listening, sending in reviews. We'll also get to a bunch of your questions. We have a ton of your questions to get to, and we'll do that next week when Mike and I are back home. I'll be in a low of 65. Mike will be in a low of negative 2. Of 3 feet of snow. Yeah, buddy. Now, are you at all a football fan? Yeah. So yeah. Will, will you be home on Sunday, or are you still here? Uh, this Sunday, here. So you don't get to see Brady versus Manning? We'll probably watch it. Oh, you'll watch Usually it. Usually someone turns it on in, in the Yeah, hall. I think Pearl. Yeah, one year to, they did yeah. it on full screen. That, that, was, was, the, that was the Ravens-Patriots, yeah. and I'm a Ravens fan, and they, they missed and the field goal at the end of the game and oh. lost. And there's all the uh, yeah. all the companies from Boston here. Yeah, on, of course. It was, rooting on their pats. It was awful. But yeah, so we'll, I'm sure we'll watch some of it. Cool, cool. Well, I will. Uh, I'm going to be home. That's my. I'm going to be in. I'm actually going to be in New York for the camp during Super Bowl weekend. So this weekend will be my Super Bowl. I'm going to sit on my couch for six hours straight and watch uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. This is their 17th matchup. That's got to be some history. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and Tommy's not slowing down. No, no. Peyton's looking a little rough. This might be it for him. Yeah, but, but Tom is not slowing down I think at all. He's got a few, few more. Yeah. Apparently, there's just something in the water. Not enough rings. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got such an ugly wife. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic week. Practice, like always. We will see you guys again or talk to you guys again next week. We'll give you a little more rundown on this, and uh, we'll get back to our normal format. So thanks for dealing with the all-over-the-place version of this podcast. For myself and Mike, peace out. Thanks, TJ. <laughs>